Welcome back to Altered States of Context. This week, Brian and I will take a dark digression into the land of bad trips. We'll talk about challenging experiences today. We'll talk about the difference between challenging experiences and a bad trip, as is commonly understood, perhaps. And we use experiences in particular from me. So I'll talk about my own experiences with some very difficult trips. And in doing so, I hope we can give you some, a little hint of experiential understanding of what we're talking about here. You know, bad trips, I think, are pretty far and away represent the biggest risk in psychedelics and psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy. Uh, They can be mitigated somewhat, but I think we really need to understand them in order to best mitigate the risks and to um, just develop the best practices possible. We need to understand what's what's going on, what can go on, what can go wrong. So we talk about this, and I talk about this, not in the spirit of scare tactics or in the spirit of trying to put people off, but you know, in the spirit of really increasing our understanding of what we're dealing with here. So I hope you find this to be educational and appreciate your time. Welcome to the show. to another episode of Altered States of Context. I'm your host, Brian Pilecki, joined here with my friend, Nate. Hi, Nate. Hello. So today we're going to be talking about a topic that uh, I think uh, most of us have heard about. If you've heard about psychedelics, uh, it's part of the lore, it's part of the narrative, uh, it's part of the fear, uh, the stigma, the myth associated with psychedelic use, and that is bad trips. Uh, This is a a term that most of us have heard. Uh, So I thought maybe we just start off by kind of defining what that means. So Nate, when you hear someone say, I had a bad trip, what comes to your mind? Well, that has changed over time a good deal, but I think it can mean a lot of things. It can mean something from kind of like what you might casually call like a a freak out at a event or a party or like a concert or something like that, uh, where someone's sort of overcome by what might be akin to like an anxiety attack, maybe like a panic attack, like somebody just really, you know, in a crowd, like I've heard, heard a lot of people talk about that, but, um, you know, that says one type. So I think there's like many, many types of when people refer to having a bad trip, there's one that, uh, I think is sort of a deeper experience maybe, um, and I remember from my younger days, uh, seeing a couple friend have friends have these experiences, you know, and one was this experience uh, they described of uh, later, you know, being just really trapped in a time loop. And I've interacted with a number of people like this, like where time and because, you know, your uh, sense of time and the meaning of time and your experience of time is so disturbed under the influence of psychedelics. 
that, you know, I think, uh, like I talked to somebody who was uh, looking at a clock, you know, and they'd see the time move and they'd look again and it wouldn't like, and they just like, they became, that was the thing that set them into a real deep sense of feeling trapped. Like they were caught in a loop. Like they kept having a similar thought over and over and over and they'd look at the clock and it wasn't moving. It didn't seem to be moving. And so there's like a super sense of just being trapped in like this existential loop that they couldn't get out of. You know, I've, uh, another of my, uh, a friend of mine years and years ago, um, had the experience of, oh, actually that one was, was triggered by time too, because we were joking around about moving time, going back in time, this or that. And, you know, I think where he went with that was just a sense of like, well, we can't do that. You can't move time. You can't change time. And then so just in this conversation that we were kind of playfully having, you know, he kind of became caught by this sense of like, what? We can move time? Well, then what? Nothing's real. You know, like, so it became completely severed, lost contact with what you, what you, I might, you know, say reality and, and felt like, well, okay, so there's no rules here, you know, and essentially having experience like I'm God, but not in like this whole like integrative, uh, unitive sort of mystical way, but in this real egoic way, like no, me, I am God and I control the rules of reality. I mean, really wild, trippy experience. But unpleasant, like like really, really unpleasant. Unpleasant probably is a euphemism, um, kind of a terrifying and awful experience. So they run a, they run a gamut. But I think what um, many of them have in common is a real existential element, you know, of like losing your tether to reality as you and I know it. Use, losing your tether to your day to day life, who you are. I mean, like literally, who you are as a person, like you know, we wind our experience of the world around that, right? Like, here's me, I'm Nate, I'm, you know, a man in West Central Illinois with a family with, you know, all these, um, you know, there's all these trappings of like, this is, this is how I identify and locate myself in time and space. And poof, those are gone. And reality come becomes like an abstraction. And there's no, um, and I think the element of that is either struggling against that or trying to get that back and not being able to, um, rather than sort of like settling into and letting it be an experience that sort of washes over and passes and, and that you can kind of like have. And in fact, that, that I think is also an element of the unitive experience or some of the more positive um, healing experiences. But I think it can become twisted into this very, very painful experience of feeling trapped, dislocated, disoriented, um, you know, completely out of uh, time and space. I completely agree that there's just so many, uh, you could say so many ways, ways that things can go wrong uh, in a psychedelic experience. And, and you know, as we talk about this, I, I want to say that, you know, we're, we're talking about this not to scare people away or to drum up fear, but to acknowledge this aspect or this possibility that's involved in psychedelic use that if you're not aware of, and if any of these qualities or experiences happens to you, right, you're more likely to react with additional distress and further amplify what what's going on. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you know, there's so many different types of bad trips. And um, maybe I'll mention here um, that in 2016, the um, Challenging Experiences Questionnaire was published which attempts is an attempt to measure 
uh, the different types of bad experiences and the severity. And they came up with, set, uh, I think, seven factors. Um, so, you know, this is this doesn't encapsulate all of the possibilities, but uh, I'll just list them. So the first is uh, fear that the, the trip could have some intense moments of panic or anxiety. Uh, grief uh, involving feelings of sadness, despair, crying. Uh, some bad trips are... Um, filled with physical distress, like someone feels like their heart's really beating uh, loudly or, or strongly, or they feel shaky inside. There's insanity, uh, a fear that you might lose control or you might go insane. Uh, some people have experiences of isolation where they feel very isolated uh, from other people and uh, lonely. And then there's death. Uh, a lot of bad trips involve a sense of dying or fear of dying. And then the, the last is paranoia. Um, a lot of uh, bad trips are characterized by a sense that people in the environment where the person is having their experiences, like plotting against them or uh, trying to do something to harm them. So again, that doesn't, that's just one way of kind of talking about this. And there's many other types of bad trips I think we can, we can think of. Mm -hmm. um, but those are, but those are some of the, uh, the more common ones that this study found in some of the surveys that they conducted. Yeah. I think what, um, when you, when you describe this, what, um, you know, I want to repeat before I go into what you said, which is this isn't scare tactics and I want to sort of, um, sort of locate this conversation in reference to, you know, what I perceive as uh, the broader conversation about psychedelics right now, which is, I think, increased awareness of and conversation about um, the risks involved, which is a good thing. I mean, this is so complicated and there's so many moving parts changing to a post-prohibition world. It's, it's mind-bogglingly complex. The more I pay attention to it, the more it's like, wow, there, you know, there's so many different agendas. Um, there's, uh, so many different variables of people vying for, you know, power, influence, control. There are, uh, agendas that aren't so nefarious as power and control. There's agendas such as, you know, keeping people safe, which I would be on board with myself, um, and making sure that people have the best environment for healing possible. So there's just, a, you know, there's, there, are, um, uh, and, and, and the lack of knowledge, still you know the science you know we're still we're just beginning to do science in this we've become disconnected from many over the courses of, you know the last uh century or more become disconnected from many not all you know sources of older wisdom you know so i think like many aspects of the the modern world we're kind of sitting here like needing to create something that we don't have a template for and it's a super complicated thing and i think to do that the only way is to listen to all perspectives and to um, understand very clearly potential benefits, potential risks, just the experience itself without qualification or judgment. Um, and so that's, that, that's, you know, we're having this episode in the, in the spirit of that, of understanding, I think one of the more famous risks. And I, I think it's genuinely the, the largest risk personally, and um, trying to shed light and understanding onto it. And when you talk about these experiences from the, uh, miss the um, challenging experiences questionnaires, that was called. Yes. You know, there's a layer. So you talk about fear, like, like a lot of fear, a lot of grief, um, physical distress, uh, fear of insanity, um, 
uh, isolation paranoia. Like these are all sort of like experiences that I think we have a, a, a template for. Like there's this is an emotional experience that people have. And I think that what can happen is, you know, under the influence of a psychedelic, that experience is, is paired with then, like I mentioned earlier, a, a, a profound existential disorientation. So it's not just fear, you know, like uh, it's it's like this deep ontological fear, <laughs> uh, like it is being fearness and, and, and just having no sort of frame of reference, almost like I imagine like what a you know, an animal caught in a trap might feel like there's just no, I like, there's no concept to attach that fear to. It's just like my, I'm in pain and I'm caught and I'm captured and I can't get out. And I have no idea. I don't have any frame of reference for what is even happening to me. And I don't, you know, and I, I don't even have the words to describe it or ask for help or anything. Like it's just trappedness. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's, there's, uh, there's something about the limitations of us being able to describe this and, and, you know, for, for some people, um, bad, a bad, a bad trip, like you're describing could, could be kind of like a trauma experience in their lives Yes, where the trip was so bad, right. That they actually experienced some degree of PTSD afterwards. And I, I've met some clients like this who've had such horrible experiences, um, that, uh, it's, it's, it's stuck with them. And, you know, one thing I would say that I think is important is that in, you know, in a safe container, whatever that looks like, right, but in the in a safe container where someone is having a psychedelic experience with support, you know, with somebody present, uh, with uh, information about the substance, with trust that the substance that they're doing is pure and not adulterated, et cetera, right, in that environment, bad trips or challenging experiences are much less likely to occur. Although there was one study that um, looked at uh, some of the psilocybin trials at Johns Hopkins and found that even in those very tightly controlled environments, 30% of the participants did experience some marked periods of intense fear or distress of, of some form or another. So even when we, you know, provide that safest container, I think it's fair to expect that taking a high dose of psychedelics is going to produce likely some challenging moments for most people. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, I think it's, it's, uh, I don't know, for me, it's useful to differentiate between challenging experiences and a bad trip, right? Like I think that, um, I mean, I, I kind of like to explore that a little bit and, you know, I'm willing to sort of um, explore that via my own, you know, experiences because I've had a range on this front. So when I think of challenging experiences, I think to many years ago, um, I was in Denmark, study abroad, I was an undergrad, and I um, went to a district in Copenhagen called Christiania. And they called themselves the Free State of Christiania. And within that little compound area, which is an abandoned military complex, they sold and were allowed to sell kind of via a sort of agreement with the government that they wouldn't peddle hard drugs, but they, they sold hash, marijuana, and mushrooms, you know, just freely, you know, on at booths. So I went there and did that. Had a, a, a really, you know, interesting time. I ended up going into a bar there and... <laughs> A quick digression. One of the, my experiences there, I was sitting having conversation uh, 
with a Moroccan gentleman, and then a giant Dane comes up to me who looked to me in the state I was in very much like a Viking. And he grabbed me by the shoulders and stood me up and said, hey, are you American? And I said, yes, I am. And he said, do you speak Danish? And I said, no, I don't. I don't speak Danish. And he's like, why not? You're in Denmark. You should speak Danish. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't. I didn't take Danish. I'm not trying to learn Danish. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't know Danish. He's like, it's fine, but I will teach you Danish. And so then, and this is just as my trip is coming on and I'm starting to like peek out a little bit. And this Dane has me by the shoulders and he's like six foot four and he's two inches from my face. And he just starts speaking in Danish right in my face. Like, and then he'd speak about two sentences and say, see, you understand? And at this point I was like, no. And I was starting to really freak out. And so they talked to me again, two inches from my face. I mean, I could like feel his warm breath, like right there. And I start like my skin was really starting to crawl. And so at the first opportunity, I like got out of there and I just like ran basically. And I went off into the woods and that had, and this I think precipitates a lot of what people might call bad trips. It's like some sort of an event that arouses a good deal of emotion or energy. And that experience certainly had for me, like I was kind of, like I was kind of upset by that. I was really like, oh my gosh. And so I, I found a good spot in the woods and I laid down and I was feeling all this energy and all this emotion and fear, intense, like fear and anxiety. Um, and I sort of closed my eyes and had a pretty clear, like visual experience of crows and these crows came and they attacked me and they, uh, viscerally attacked me just, just throughout my body and just tore, you know, I had the experience of them like tearing the flesh off my bones or, and just ripping me apart. And I laid back and that happened and I allowed that to happen and afterwards what emerged was just a, a a really nice wonderful experience for the next few hours like all of that like I passed through all of that energy I passed through all of that um, you know whatever that was I experienced that sort of like loss or, or, or dying and then I kind of sat back up everything looked really beautiful I went over and I saw this tree that was lovely just telling like adding myself as a total hippie here of course but i went over and this tree was lovely and so i started like put rubbing my hands over this tree and kind of like caressing this tree like it's a beautiful tree and a couple um i was on a path and a couple people just walked up to me as i'm like lovingly hugging this tree <laughs> and i looked at them in my eyes it must have been like saucers and they were like quickly like turned and walked the other way so that was one i would consider that a challenging experience you know like that was an experience that was emotional it was challenging but it opened up i i don't and never have considered that a bad trip even though like on whatever questionnaire you just talked about uh, probably would have you know would have qualified as a challenging experience certainly right but it opened up i went into it i did the you know acceptance allowing and it, it became wonderful so that is an example of a challenging experience that i think wouldn't be a bad trip right so that's i think a very important distinction in the trials, though many participants and and both you know the psilocybin research and other psychedelic research reported challenging experiences, you know many of them said that it led to some sort of transformation or growth, mm -hmm. right? And so uh, just because a trip is hard doesn't mean it's bad. You know, a lot of 
really meaningful, worthwhile things that we do in life are tough. You know, I used to run half marathons and train for them and training was really grueling and, and painful and but if you look at the whole package deal, uh, it was worth it, right? Mm-hmm. I, the, even though those the, those training days in and of themselves were very challenging. Uh, and so with a safe container, with the right circumstances, it's possible that whatever bad experience you might have during a psychedelic trip um, can be grist for the mill, so to speak, or you know, connected to some, you know, healing or growth process that's, that's beyond us that mm-hmm. may, may not make rational sense, or maybe it does make rational sense. It's the process, it's the processing of grief, perhaps, you know, like maybe in a trip, uh, you know, I start thinking about my mom who passed and my, you know, I spent a couple hours just sobbing and sure you could say that that's challenging and, and painful, but it's, you know, may, maybe in that, example, I, I walk out feeling that I've, I've done some grief and that that feels good. And, and so, you know, when we talk about psychedelics and the, the idea that there's work involved here, right? These aren't a magic bullet. There's you know, a lot of the benefits that you get. You, there, there, there's, some, there's some journey to get there, which, which can involve some challenges. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's part of, of the value and um, part of, you know, what can be useful about them is confronting, you know, parts of yourself that you're uncomfortable with or parts of your experience that you'd rather not. And I think that that's absolutely true. And I agree with everything you just said. Um, I think there's also, I think there's an ideology then that can arise from that, which is, like I said, I, I agree with everything you just said. So this isn't a, instead of, this is a also um, there's an ideology that can arise, you know, that essentially is like, well, every challenging experience is good, you know, and, and bad trips are just part of the process and challenging experiences are just part of the process. But I think there's another level here, <laughs> you know, I think there's another level here. There's, there's the challenging experience, which again, I don't use the word bad trip, right? And then, I, I mean, you even hear some people say sometimes, well, there's no such thing as a bad trip. There's no such thing as a bad trip. It's all learning. You know, you just move through it and every there's something to get, be gained from all of it. And, you know, I would just say bullshit to that, like for sure. Um, there is such thing as a bad trip. And I think it's and I think it's good to avoid them. <laughs> you know, I think I think it's good to avoid them. And I think that there are things, all the things you're mentioning that can minimize the like greatly minimize the chances but I think there's another, like I said, there's another level beyond the challenging experience, you know, and I think a lot can be um, mitigated by a safe container and, and, and quality uh, people around to keep the person safe. You know, and I think that's in my story that I just told that was, I didn't have that, right. I was just 21 years old and I'm like, you know, just going to a district in a city I didn't know and wandering around, but I had done a good deal of psychedelics at that point. And so I kind of had like had a frame of reference, but I mean, I could have imagined with all that energy and, and, and whatnot, like, you know, like just running, you know, not laying down and, and allowing it to pass through me, but just running and trying to escape from it. And, and, you know, I think that that could have turned into something very much darker. You know, that's where if you're, you're with somebody who can kind of help guide you into that, like, you know, slow down, rest, create calmness, you know, rest into it, allow it to pass, you know, you can, um, 
reduce the likelihood that that will sort of morph from a challenging experience to something much worse. But even then, I don't think it can do. I, can, I don't think that it's a completely eliminatable risk, and 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 sort of the the experience beyond what one one might call a challenging experience would be, I think, the prototypical bad trip, which might involve as much as all of the above of the um, challenging experiences that you mentioned: the fear, grief, physical distress, you know, fear of insanity, isolation, paranoia, um, combined with sort of that sort of existential unmooring. And that that's an experience that, um, you know, I think in the past there's even been, I know that um, the recent Power Trip podcast did a, a nice job, I think, in the, the first half of it, in particular by looking at like uh, some people who have been involved, like Salvador Roquette, and, you know, how his methods sort of were working to induce experiences like that, thinking like if we induce these really challenging experiences with disorienting music, poor pornography, noise, just like induce really intense experiences that moving through those, there's something to be gained from it. And I think that I would sort of strenuously disagree with anything that smells of that approach. I don't think that there's room for especially, I mean, in particular, not in a healing setting for intentionally evoking an experience like that. You know, I think that we, you know, really uh, it's important to work to minimize experiences like that. We we know psychic. We think of psychedelics as amplifiers, right? And so, you know, imagine you you buy LSD from somebody, and you don't really know the person. So that little seed of doubt, which might not seem mm-hmm. much in ordinary consciousness, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. That under the influence could really magnify. Yes. Or you know any any anything in the environment that's a little out of place, and so. You know, I think it is true that these types of experiences tend to happen more in uncontrolled settings, uh, yes. you know, out, out in large gatherings or groups and things like that. Yeah. And there's, you know, and I think, uh, I think you know, there's, uh, there's organizations like the Zendo Project and other organizations that, you know, like go to, you know, music festivals and things like that and settings where there's a lot of naturalistic use to kind of help sort of ground people get their feet back on the ground if they start to go into these challenging areas. So I think that there is a way to get people's feet back on the ground for sure. And that that's important and that um, should be well-trained. That should always be the goal. It should be get people's feet back on the ground. If somebody's going into this place that looks bad trippish, I think it's <clears> like uh, we always want to help people like accept and move into their experience, but there's also a degree to which like, grounding is important and you know and being able to recognize i don't think there's that much value in going into and considerable risk in going all the way into a um a full-fledged bad trip that phrase that you mentioned earlier is something that you do hear in psychedelic communities uh there's no such thing as a bad trip and i i agree with you that i, I don't I don't think that's a helpful way to look at things. I don't think that's true. You know, I think part of the part of the wisdom there, I get though. I understand yeah. what some people might mean, right? What they might mean is like you could look at anything as a learning opportunity. You know, I get into a car accident. I could look at that, what yeah. can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? So you can take anything in life and apply that. And that, you know, that's kind of a spiritual or religious mindset. And that works for a lot of people. So yeah. I think it is adaptive to, to some degree to, to look at any challenging experience and say, how can, how can I 
come out of this with some knowledge about myself or insight. But I think, like, as you said, we should try to minimize bad trips uh, as much as we can, uh, given the given the fact that, you know, psychedelics can really amplify what's happening. So again, this comes back to having a very safe and supportive environment yeah. uh, where you can really be able to trust and let go. Yeah. You know, I'm noticing too, um, I have the intention of um, actually sharing a little bit about a full on bad trip of mine. <laughs> As we're talking the last few minutes too, I'm noticing avoiding it. I haven't talked about it much publicly. I'm like, whew. Um, but I want to, cause I want to sort of, uh, you know, help our listeners, you know, understand what we're talking about here. And I think that, you know, my experience is worth, um, worth investigating a little bit. It, we unpacked a little bit. It'll be an episode that'll come out later this summer. We recorded with a wonderful woman, Rachel, who, you know, you can tell she's a therapist cause just as we're interviewing her, she started asking me questions and got me talking about it a little bit just because she was so, um, open and compassionate and curious that I, that I started to, to, to go into the experience a little bit. But it's, you know, I want to illustrate the difference between, I think, what we might call a challenging experience and, um, you know, a bad trip. And this was not very long ago. I took, I took, we took, you know, we were, uh, you know, a, uh, a retreat in Jamaica, you know, where, where it was, you know, not against the law to do. Um, and we were in a setting that was supported. You know, there were, there were people around. It was, uh, I think, a very good setting. We'd done some reconnaissance work and uh, you know what and whatnot. It felt safe. I mean, it felt safe beforehand, and it felt safe after afterwards. You know, it was the second of three trips, and I decided, I think, in a fully informed way, that I wanted to take a very high dose, right? And and then my thinking with that was, well, I've taken very high doses before. I've taken a lot of doses in my life. This I'll never have a better opportunity in my entire life than I do right now to really explore, you know, because there's, I mean, this is a safe environment with people that are really trustworthy. And so I kind of decided that, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And I, I always, every time that I trip since, you know, I first did in college and undergrad, I get nervous beforehand every time, like every time, like it's like a real pit of my stomach, kind of like, whoo, okay, here we go. Um, and you know, so I, I did that and, um, uh, really kind of just practiced pretty much all day, deep breathing, meditative awareness, you know, like calm, just trying to like make myself as calm and centered as possible, you know, and then took a very high dose <laughs> and it was just, it was so fast. It was like a rocket ship blasting off, you know, like completely unmoored me and and that was all right um i was in a we were in an outdoor setting and i was on a yard and so i don't think that there's really any way that anyone could have known too much what was going on because i didn't send many outward signals and i don't even think this experience lasted very long but i was there and i kind of laid back and first of all i had this experience of transgression like i was somewhere i wasn't supposed to be it's hard to explain but that was like a i had this foreboding sense of that it was the feeling I had. I was in territory I wasn't supposed to be in. This was um, not my place. And then I had a um, vision of my parents' house, the house I grew up in. 
which by the way, talking about this right now is, is, is an extra layer of difficult because my parents are selling that home and moving. It's wonderful. They're moving to be closer to us. And there's, there's, there's actual grief there in the, in the moment that I'm talking about this. And a few years ago when this experience happened, there was um, incredible grief because I was outside, like in a bubble, I could see the home, but I existed outside it. And in that space, I watched these scenes sort of unfold from my childhood and uh, people that I had known. And then I kind of had this experience of, I've actually heard other people describe similar ones before of like this giant Rolodex, like it was an infinite Rolodex, right? And then like a card selecting from the Rolodex. And then that card was a, was a memory. And the memory then would play itself out in this bubble that I was outside of. And it would just play itself out and I'd watch it. And then it would just dissolve into dust you know, and then another one, and then another one. The implication here was that none of these things, none of these things that compose myself, none of these things that compose like what I love most deeply in the world, none of those things exist. None of those things real. None of those things happen. None of those things were tangible in any way to me. Um, And then it sort of broadened beyond that to after that sort of dissolved and I couldn't get back and then I imagined, you know, my wife and my children who were at the point of like uh, over a sea and thousands of miles away. And I just envisioned myself trying to like step through and walk through the ocean, you know, and then just feeling this sense of separateness. And then that being become adopted into this experience of like, those aren't real. Those aren't real things. They don't exist. You know, they, they, they also turn to dust in this giant Rolodex and everything that I loved and cared about just turned to dust and was gone and I was frozen and unable to do anything at all. And this was, and became completely convinced that this was my existence, that I was in this, what one might call a hell realm in which all I could do was watch things that I had thought that I had loved and never participate in them. And that that was, my existence until the end of time, like, which was never because there was no end of time. So then this was like, this was my experience. I believed this in all the way to my core that this is, and I, I literally forgot who I was, no idea. And it was nothing but suffering. That was it. That was all there was. And at some point through some, I don't know, Herculean effort, I guess I was able to stand up which proved to me that I wasn't stuck. It did not prove to me that any of what I had just described was real, (laughs) but it did prove that I wasn't stuck. It proved that I had agency, that I was an actor, but I didn't interpret that as like, Oh, here I am. I'm back. I'm Nate. I interpret it instead as like, nothing matters. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just drifting through this. I don't even know what's around me and nothing matters. And, you know, I walked up and, um, sort of to my shame and embarrassment, I started like behaving a bit aggressively. I didn't hit anyone or anything like that, but I was very verbally like aggressive because again, I felt like nothing mattered. And this is where there was really, I believe, skillful intervention. You know, the the gentleman who was the host of the retreat and also a friend, another friend of mine, um, within just a few moments were able to bring me back. As soon as like it was kind of clearly identified, like, whoa, Nate's gone. I don't think it was very long at all. I don't know, but I don't think it was very long before they were able to bring me back. Then I found myself wrapped in a 
blanket by a fire. I'm in Jamaica because I took a trip to Jamaica and I'm Nate. And I have a family that's a plane right away. Like it all started coming back. And I was like very quickly like, oh, everything's okay. Everything's okay. Everything's okay. We're fine. I'm safe. Nothing's different. And I, like I said, I think there was a lot of skillful guidance that helped me stay safe and help me come back to myself and then interpret it. Well, and actually the rest of the, the, the rest of the experience was, um, I would say marvelous, like some really, really cool interpersonal stuff with other people on the trip. And, um, like it didn't, but I have been trying to make sense of that for years since. And in a way I, I in a way I kind of have, but in an emotional way, like, I think that that's an experience that, especially if one isn't familiar and isn't supported, that experience can be very, very, very dangerous, both in the moment, but also subsequently as someone tries to make sense of that in the context of their life. Like I said, I had a lot of support. I have been steeped in psychedelic thought and culture for a long time. So I had a lot of tools at my disposal to kind of work with this. And like you said, I feel like I have learned from it. I'm, I hesitate to say I'm glad I had it. I mean, it was awful. I mean, this was condensed, pure suffering for a period of time, like that I remember pretty clearly. Like I, like I look back, I, I remember it. There wasn't like a blackout thing. I remember it. So I hesitate to say it, although I kind of, I think I am glad that it happened. Um, because I think that that's a really been an important experience, especially as someone who would, um, be involved in this movement and be involved in trying to help, you know, learn from psychedelics. Uh, I think it like having had that experience, I mean, I would have thought I'd had challenging experience before and I kind of thought I'm like, okay, I've seen bad trips. I kind of have a pretty good idea, but having had one from the inside, it shifts my perspective a little bit on some of the dangers, which again, I'm not saying this and I absolutely don't believe that this is a reason to stop everything. And, and I don't think that this is a risk that can't be mitigated against. I absolutely think it can. And I'm telling this story again, I really am not trying to scare people off, but I am trying to increase understanding that, you know, that this is a thing that happens. And I was surprised by it. And this is another, this is actually the most valuable lesson for me was is one of humility because I went into this and I didn't think that this was a thing that could happen to me. I mean, I mean, when I say that, I feel embarrassed now. Um, and I think even at the side at the, at the time, I probably wouldn't have said that, but I believe that I believed that. Right. I think I believed that they're like, well, no, I've been in this space enough. I kind of understand. Like I, I know, you know, I'll let go. I'll, you know, this, you know, a bad trip isn't something that's in the cards for me. Um, like I said, I'm a little embarrassed to admit that I think I thought that, but, um, but I was wrong. <laughs> um, uh, very wrong. And yeah, so thanks, Brian, for, for listening. And, and any listeners, I hope that uh, we can find value in that experience. I just wanted to describe that because um, I think I think it's important to understand. Yeah, thanks for sharing, Nate. It, uh, you know, I, I was there on that retreat. I, I wasn't, uh, I was on a, a bit of a different part of the premises. So I, I wasn't really witness to what was happening, but I sort of got a sense of it from what was happening around me. Uh, and then of course I was participating in the integration afterwards with you, you know, 
one-on-one and in our group integration. And I, I, I know how, how scary that was for you and, and scary for the other people too around to, to see somebody in that state. So I think it is, you know, I, I appreciate you being willing to share that uh, with our audience. Um, and, you know, I think for me, the, I think we all learned something about uh, your, your, your trip that night, Nate, which is like that kind of like what you're saying, like these things are possible and they're also, it's also possible to get through them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm glad you had the support of everyone who was there and the skill of the facilitators and all of that. Um, having an experience like that alone in your living room, right, I think would be a whole different story. Mm-hmm. So it really speaks to me of the power of the group uh, yeah. or uh, the power of the container that uh, it's it's really essential when we're faced with these kinds of experiences that we have support to get through them. And I think a lot of what the harm that comes from bad experiences is that people don't, you know, people don't share about them mm-hmm. because they're embarrassed or they think they did something wrong or it's just too scary or it's too weird. And so they ca- it's sort of, they, they can carry this around in an unprocessed way for sometimes many years. Yeah. Uh, and it just kind of festers. And, yeah. and so, you know, the, the importance of having a place to integrate is, is really, um, you know, can't be uh, um, overstated. Absolutely. And it was important. I think it was extremely important that I then two days later, you know, whatever it was like, went back into that space, you know, had another experience. And since then as well, I think those helped me continue to process that, you know, um, I, I think they were really important. The, the, the process didn't just stop, which is another thing to think about with, you know, clinical trials that are like, you know, if you have three experiences and then you're done, uh, you might not be done with that space. You know, I think that's a real, I don't know. That seems like, um, like I had more to process for sure and was able to also, I'm a pretty, uh, I mean, relatively speaking, I'm a pretty integrated person. I'm generally healthy. I generally don't have much in the way of trauma or psychological disturbance, you know? And so, um, I think I was able to return to baseline pretty quickly. Other people might have a much harder time with that. So these are just things to really be mindful of and create a whole lot of uh, support around. So I thought it might be nice to end just to kind of talk about some ways that um, people can mitigate a bad trip. What are some things people can do to prevent this? And one thing that comes to mind is maybe for me, this seems like the most important thing is not resisting what's happening. I think a lot of bad trips occur when some difficult content is coming up, you know, some painful memory or discomfort in their body. And and when we try to resist that or stop that or shut it off, typically we're, we're just um, feeding into it or amplifying it and and making things worse. So, Mm -hmm. you know, this is uh, a lot of the, you know, the wisdom of uh, psychedelic communities and, and uh, psych traditional psychedelic uses you hear over and over again, you know, the sort of uh, instruction to like, to let go, to surrender, to open up to what's happening. And uh, that's, that's much easier to say 
Um, but in the moment, like you need, you need someone reminding you that, or it's, it's very hard to actually practice that, but, but going into a trip and, and, and sort of being willing to kind of uh, be present to whatever your experience is, I think is, is that one helpful way to mitigate um, having a bad experience. Mm-hmm. I think if things are challenging, the old, the old mantra is, and boy, it's true, is reminding, and you might forget. And that's why it's useful to have people around to remind you, hey, you took a drug and this is uh, not permanent. This is something that will, this is a transient experience that you're having. Because that's when, I mean, and that's what where I got really lost um, because it became not that. Like that, that was lost. That idea that I, me, took something and this is an experience that I am having and will, you know, like, and so that's something that if things start to really get very squirrely, this is a, an experience that will last a certain amount of time and then will stop. Also, um, your your senses, your bodily senses are really important. Um, you know, connecting with your feet on the ground, for me, it would be like barefoot and feeling the, the, you know, the feet on the ground or, or um, like it's tangibly um, holding something, you know, in your hands, uh, you know, and, and like feeling whatever it is that you're holding in your hands. So I think engaging in your, your senses, you know, eating something like um, that is uh, a very sensory experience, uh, you know, whether you're hungry or not, it's really more about just the exploring of a sensory experience because that orients you to something not arbitrary, right? Like something not abstract, like it's here and now, you know, no matter what you took, like you're having an experience of holding an apple and tasting an apple. And that's right here. Um, and so I don't think that that is avoiding something, but it is also keeping a person. It, it is keeping a person present because part of presence is, is, you know, here and now um, and not like in this sort of abstract land of, uh, you know, whatever it is that we've gotten lost in. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would, I would add, uh, you know, being thoughtful about where, where you do it with who you do it with, you know, what, what's the environment? Um, yes. and, and with that, I would say, trust your gut. If your gut tells you this is not, you know, even if you plan to trip and this is something you've been looking forward to, but you get there and there's something about your intuition that says this doesn't feel right, you know, listen to that. I, I, I um, you know, I didn't share about one of my challenging experiences, my, my biggest one, which maybe I'll, I'll do in a, a later episode, but uh, it was an ayahuasca circle where I almost walked out in the beginning. I just didn't have a good feeling about mm-hmm. the leader uh, and, the, and the group, uh, the, the situation, and I almost walked out. And one of the co-facilitators kind of convinced me to stay kind of like help me think of it like oh, I'm just being fearful and it's okay. But looking back on it, I I should have left, and that that mm-hmm. wasn't you know wasn't a good situation for me. So yeah. I think it's okay to trust your judgment, um, even if you've made plans already to follow through with psychedelics. It's okay to say, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, maybe wait and, and not take them tonight. Yeah, I mean, weird social vibes, like you talked about amplifier, but weird social vibes are super amplified, right? Like, and I've seen that play a lot of times where there's just sort of like a weird social vibe going on and like, that's not good. Mm -mm. (laughs) You know, that can really kind of manifest in in some ways that 
can get pretty funky. So we hope this was helpful in articulating some of the types of bad trips and uh, some things that can be done to help prevent them. Uh, but again, I think it's important to know that these can happen. There's no need to be afraid of them. It's just good to be aware that this is a possibility whenever you're taking a psychedelic and just to be careful. Yeah, absolutely. And um, knowledge is always good. For sure.